0: Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 26 of season 3. We're your hosts, I'm Joshua Buckley.
1: I'm Paul LePage.
0: Over in New York City, it is our main man producer, Mr. Alex Patakis. How's it going, Alex?
2: It's going good. Good to see you guys.
0: Good to see you. And joining us again from Boca Raton, our boy Teddy Ely, fellow
3: Chicago sports masochist. I like uh, Teddy Ely. We are hey how's everyone doing looking forward to this uh NFL draft coming up here Josh I know uh sure you are too just curious to see what the bears do here
0: yeah it's it's been a little rough year in sports for me and Teddy you know you got the cubs <laughs> sucking the bears have the number 1 pick and the wolves are still in a relegation fight so yeah thank god i have alabama football right alex
2: <laughs> yeah Otherwise, you'd be uh, you'd be in real rough shape. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Well, guys, it's tough to say if the Wolves are in real tough shape. It was kind of a mixed bag. One one draw against Fulham. It was one of those where going into the game, you'd say, OK, I'll take a point. But after the game, Paul, it kind of felt like missed opportunity for three points.
1: It did. When you saw the positives that came, particularly in the first half, that everything seemed to click. Formation, personnel, everyone seemed to have a good idea of their role. Um, They kind of like had a run through of the goal just a little before when Sarabra had his first chance. But then when they went ahead and put that move together to take the lead, it was fantastic when you see that. Clip of the goal just replayed and the passes that went into it. And even uh, Mateus's deliveries from his position to the back post coming on his right, that showed promise. And it was such a shame, I felt, that immediately after the second half that we had those two chances. I think it was Raul's header first and then Dawson's or maybe the other way around. I think if one of those had gone in we'd have probably won really comfortably and if it wasn't for that injury to Cunha I think we we'd have been uh, we'd have rode it out and and got a good away win I think it all started to unravel from that point and we looked a lot more disjointed and the formation didn't flow and it was one of those occasions where you're looking for the bench to make an impact and there wasn't one at all. And I think that's the most disappointed aspect of it, that you think all of a sudden we've got this strength in depth. Yeah, Podence and Troy come on and don't really do anything. That was the disappointed thing for me out of all of it.
0: Teddy, that lineup they deployed was pretty exciting, pretty free-flowing. I mean, uh, that goal Paul was talking about, all's first goal. I mean, that was a great team goal. It really seemed like everybody was feeding off each other. What did you think of that and how disappointing it is now if is out for a while, we're not gonna see that lineup again?
3: Uh yeah, it's just that front three fluidity that I feel like we've never really seen deployed successfully was, was really exciting for me. At least, you know, whatever Troy is on the pitch, you know, he's gonna be hugging that right wing touchline. But you know, Sarabia, Raul and Cunha kind of the interplay was was great, but something that I really liked as well with that was, was the pressing that each of them had like that first half, um, you know, Fulham were just struggling, completing even two or three passes, you know, you had Cunha and Raul, you know, really, you know, having these sprints and really pressing it, you know, as soon as the ball came over the half field line, yeah, Fulham were, you know, really couldn't get anything going. So I think that's, you know, what I'd be most what's going to be missed the most about Cunha right now. Um, like I'm not sure who could, you know, fill that pressing position that he, that he gave that game.
0: Paul, is it interesting? We we always see the lineups 60 minutes before game and we're trying to figure out the formation shape. Is it four, four, three? Is it, you know, four, four, two, what is it? It's almost a little unfair. I feel like because, it seems like it's more of an amoeba during the game. It just flows and they don't really have like a
1: strict formation they're playing by. I think you're right. I think the likes of Sarabia and even Mateus to a certain extent have a lot more license than often. I think they, they're given credit for, but I think when he does come up out with these formations and it looks particularly the, the setup away from home, that it's very compact. It's very centrally focused down the pitch, but then that's where he's looking to the, the width to come from the full And I think that was really evident on Friday night. And it was one thing I think um, Musing uh, Musings at Molyneux uh, pointed out on Twitter when he looked at the heat maps of the average positions on the pitch, how compact it was centrally, but how pushed up the uh, the backs were. And I think that reflected with uh, Bueno being a, a candidate for man of the match. I know he's given it on the the UK broadcast, but that was the the element that they were looking to make an impact with. And at times it really showed on Friday. And again, if it wasn't for having that enforced change, I think those the types of games, opponents, and and matches where you could execute that formation and it works really well away from home and you, you come away with three points.
3: Yeah, I would. Uh, I'll say as well. Um, Bueno's. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, average player position as well. Bueno's right up there, up top with you know Cunha and Raúl. He was basically playing a left winger role for the majority of the match and, and either Semedo would tuck in or or Lamina would tuck in into that kind of create the three center backs, um, which we see, you know, a lot of top teams do like, like, yeah, just a lot of top teams are able to, you know, get those fullbacks forward. And I think Bueno's definitely a lot better going forward than Semedo is, especially, you know, their crosses into the box. But yeah, I've definitely found that uh, interesting. I didn't, I don't think we've really seen, you know, these fullbacks push up as much as they have, especially under, under Lodge. We didn't see that. So it's good to, yeah, it's a cool new tweak that this formation adds.
0: Teddy, how important was it for uh, Sarabia to get that goal and kind of get one under his belt with Wolves?
3: Yeah. Especially after, you know, like three minutes right before that, he had probably an even easier chance to, to score. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. Uh and I was on his stronger left foot. I think I think he scored on his yeah, his weaker right foot. But yeah, I mean it's just uh you know, over his career, you know, Spain national team. The guy always, you know, scores and get assists. So I think it was only a matter of time. And he's just one of those players that just You know, he just always pops up in the correct position in the box, and you're like, you know, how is he there, and why can no one else do that? But it's definitely a skills finding, you know, those these optimal positions, you know, in the box. And yeah, I think we'll definitely see a few few more goals from him before the season's up. Paul, talking about Cunha's
0: injury. Number one, I was a little irritated with the way that was handled because of the fact that you know Harrison Reed goes down first half Wolves are playing you know the team's kind of like oh he's hurt so Nevis stops play Wolves kick it out Wolves end up with two guys down Cunha very seriously hurt and they just keep going and then even Cunha gets booed as he's being taken off by a stretcher like it's classless in my opinion
1: but is this normal? What I took out from it was the ineffective refereeing again and the inability to to protect the players. In the, the first challenge on Sarabia, that was a foul. Oh, and guess what? The guy who committed the foul was already on a yellow. Mm-hmm. So did the referee shit out of giving that decision because he knew he was under pressure to, to make a call? If it had blown up. And that was—he uh, might have had another foul before, potentially not. That was a booking. Had a big call to make. So that was what frustrating because either way, the game carried on, and that immediately caused the the injury to Kunya straight after. So I think it all goes together. I'm I'm pointing my finger more at the the ref rather than the the gamesmanship from Fulham on that one.
0: I thought it was real tacky by the fans too. It's one thing to boo if you think guys are time wasting which yeah, kind of silly, but when a guy's being faking it if you're on off, a stretcher.
1: Yeah. 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 If if you if you do, do that miraculous recovery and resurrect yourself off a stretcher and come back on, then you get booed. But for the most part you're not, you're not making a conscious decision to get yourself stretched off stretched off the pitch. It's due to something that's potentially pretty serious
0: apparently on the xm radio broadcast uh while play was going on with two guys down they said that wolves were being lazy and not getting up ah. <laughs> <laughs> lazy i guess that's what happens when your ankles taken out um how big of a loss is this
1: though with Cunha out for
0: we don't know how long paul
1: i think it points again to the fact that he was the first ah. signing of the winter window so, regardless of his role, regardless of whether he's a number nine or he's going to be integrated more uh, into the team, I, I think it's potentially a big miss. In that a lot will have been planned around him, not necessarily himself being like an out-and-out striker or what have you. But the makeup of the forward unit, I think he, he's been a he he's been earmarked and will be a crucial part to it. So. I think it's just fingers crossed that his, his little son's band does the trick and he does make that recovery. Maybe Wednesday night comes too soon, but hopefully back by the weekend.
0: Teddy, what do you think Wolves did to get this much bad luck with the striker position? I mean, it just seems like two years <laughs> now.
3: <laughs> it's yeah.
0: one, one injury after another. It's just so frustrating.
3: Yeah, it's like every one just seems to be, you know, just a severe injury as well. And I think, you know, as Paul alluded to it, you know, he didn't seem like he was in a cast in the Instagram photo he posted. So that's, you know, could be could be promising, but don't want to read in it into it too much. But, yeah, the, the injury luck has been pretty bad. I mean, Wolves did actually change their whole backroom staff pretty within the last couple of months i think lepedigu brought in you know one of his his guys um so yeah curious to see how that kind of develops over the next couple of years cuz yeah under nuno is like you know we had the best injury luck record in the league and you know a lot of it does come down to luck but you know i think those muscle injuries they say you can kind of control so yeah we'll be you know, wanna see what happens with that backroom team moving forward.
0: All do we need to get a priest to Molyneux and like bless the land to take care of our number nines?
1: It it, it might have got to to those extreme measures. I'm not sure, but it does seem that there's uh, there's some type of hex cast over us.
0: Do you know if in English soccer, anything like that's been done? Because I know that's been done several times in baseball out here. Uh, the Astros, a few years ago, somebody was in a slump and one of the local radio stations sent an exorcist out there um, to exercise the demons. And then the Cubs brought in a priest to bless, to get rid of the the curse of the Billy goat, as uh, Teddy and I are
1: very familiar with. It
0: is is anything like that ever happened in English soccer that you know of? Fall?
1: I don't believe so. I think there's been a few uh, tales told of construction workers working on a new stadium that support the opposition and either take a dump in the center circle <laughs> or plant <laughs> like barrier bury the the shirt of their uh their fierce rivals and so it's always there but I, I don't think anyone has gone to that e- extent of uh of blessing it or or getting something uh get something religious done in order to uh banish away the the bad juju <laughs> so in 60 <laughs> yeah.
0: million years when you know the aliens have come in and they're they're scouring the land and tearing stuff down. They're going to find some feces in uh, <laughs> where stadiums used to be. That's brilliant. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I feel like you, you would have to see some stuff like that in the Italian league or, you know, or maybe in like oh, the Brazilian yeah. or Argentinian league. Like You know, I definitely feel like we can. You know, find some pretty good stories there.
0: I mean, look—if Americans do it, there's
3: got to be other
0: countries. Yeah, there. yeah, that's 100, 100. Well, one of the highest graded players from the game was Nelson Cimato. Um Now it looks likely, according to the Express and Star, they're going to trigger his two-year extension. Teddy, good deal or bad deal?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think they were always going to trigger the two-year extension unless he completely you know imploded but yeah he's definitely come along pretty pretty nicely under uh the new manager i think i think this was the Semedo that we were kind of expecting to see like the you know he does still have like you know a small air in him but you know so so do a lot most players um but he yeah, has defensive solidity like you know he was up against i think william did a did, you know, pretty good job handling him. And, yeah, he's done a great job kind of covering for, for when Bueno's kind of all, all the way pushed up. Um, yeah, I think he's uh, – I've been pretty impressed with him recently. And there was actually one instance where he was uh, flying in the box to try and get on a header kind of mad at uh, Dougherty style. So, you know, it could be a little more attacking for him in the in the future. But, yeah, I think uh, – you know, I don't think right back will be a position that – the team feels they need to strengthen in the summer. If he keeps up these performances
0: overall, Paul, how do you think that signing should be judged um, on a grading scale, just school grading scale? Um, Cause I mean, they purchased him for a lot and Doherty for a while almost seemed like he was still the
1: better fit. No, I'd say underwhelming. And if it's underwhelming, it's, it's putting you in that six out of 10 category and, that's purely based on he, he, the the amount that they paid for him. In that you you're expecting that amount for a right back to to do absolutely everything, and, and when you do compare it to Doherty, it's, it's been nowhere near in terms of output and uh, and goals, assists, and all of that. I, I think as they looked in the pro, the element of him just being a, a, a right back I think it is pretty solid and he's done a good job being a good servant but that's been it it's not been exceptional it's not even really given a a hint of thinking that you've got value from what was it 34 million or whatever it was so whether there is a little Mendes scratch the back in, in an inflated fee there for for something else that came down the road or what have you i'm not sure but i think uh, i'm of the opinion that he gets his two years but if someone does come in even to recoup half the amount that he was signed for i think you you sign him up for those two years and and look to get some type of return on it and bring someone in who's potentially a little younger i agree i agree yeah oh go ahead
3: yeah, I think it shows the, you know, the importance of, of the academy. You know, like right now, kind of Buenos, you know, but I think, you know, taking the left-back job and, you know, by all accounts, he's been doing great. And, you know, to be able to save, you know, you're not going to spend 34 million pounds on every outside back. But to be able to save that money and not have to spend, it's just so huge. You know, same thing with Kilman, too. So, yeah, if the academy can just keep, keep producing one player, you know, every couple of years, that's just – you know just instrumental in making the team stronger for the long term so yeah that's what i was going to ask do you think wolves are one of
0: those clubs that financially because they're not a big 6 they shouldn't be spending big nummy on, big, big money on the fullbacks and should instead be spending that on you know midfield and up front players
3: teddy Oh, uh, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I think it just depends on the, on the situation and on the, uh, and the, you know, the personnel that the club currently have, you know, right now there's six or seven wingers at the club. So even though they aren't scoring goals, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a, you know, area we have to change just for, you know, that tomato situation in general. Um, as we were playing a five at the, back still at the time I'm not sure if that was the best decision but you know to transition to a four at the back you know having a recognized right back is is quite important and you know Dougherty didn't have that defensive capabilities um, to play that so I I think you know it just kind of depends on on the situation there Paul would you say right now
0: Mario Lamina is the most important player in the Wolves starting at eleven?
1: I think to come back in and make such a difference again, not only in what he does with the ball, but the license it gives for those around him, he has to be. And I don't think anyone at the end of that window, when it closed, generally thought that he'd have the impact that he has done, that he'd be this, this fulcrum for the midfield. I think me and many others might've thought that he was just a squad player to, to come on and maybe, close the game out Um, and we made that type of signing just to, just to fill the bench and have a stronger squad. But now it seems that he he has locked down that position and that allows Neves to do more. And it's just, even what he brings, it's so refreshing that on Friday night, he was picking up the ball from deep and running with it. So he's got that in his locker as well. So if they've got the ability from the likes of him and even Kilman behind him to get 15, 20, 25 yards further up the field, thanks to a a dynamic run in the center, then it just expands the options that they've got in terms of exploiting attacking space and possession that it it, it could be really exciting if it all clicks one day. I think what's really interesting about him is
0: Everything we had heard from the last couple of years was, oh, he's kind of a dickhead. You know, he's a prima donna. Um, you know, he likes Instagram too much. And he's doing all the nasty, dirty work. And like you said, allowing Nevis to go f- free. I mean, Teddy, there's something to like about those guys that are just willing to do all the dirty work down low.
3: Uh, yeah you know we saw Polinia on the on the other side of the pitch and you know it's i mean lamina is obviously a different player but you know it's similar in regards to their defensive capabilities and you wonder if you know in the summer he he could have been that guy that filled that lamina role to you know allow this this play style but it's a separate matter um as for lamina yeah there were some articles from from the athletic that kind of Talks about how Lamina recognized that he wasn't, you know, the best person was more kind of played for himself instead of the team. And, you know, I think he is 29 or 30 now. It's definitely matured as a player. You know, he has a, uh, I think, a kid now, too. And I you was know, saying he just has a little more perspective now on the game. And I think, yeah, we can definitely see that now. Like when he was with Fulham or Southampton, like he, he definitely had all the skills, but there's just something off about his cohesion with the team and now he's yeah fitting in you know superbly well and he's yeah he's definitely a piece that maybe we didn't know we were missing but definitely feels a huge need to allow Nevis to you know push forward. Paul when I'm looking at this lineup I
0: feel like all of these players fit Lopetegi's system really well except for Matthias. I feel like I, I'm still trying to figure out if Matthias is a good fit here or what it is. I mean, he did have that fantastic pass on the goal build up to Raul, um, who got back to Sarabia. But it, it's
1: I don't know. It feels like something's missing. I feel he's been made to be somewhat of a fall guy in that he's the one since Lopetegui's arrival, that he's been moved about more than anyone, pretty much. So he, he, he's on the left side, he's central, he's he's changing positions more. So I, I still think we have to factor in that there's certain types of players that need to settle. And I think he's one of them. And I don't think the frequent changes in formation, even back to the old uh, coach, have helped Whereas we contrast that with Lamina, that he's more experienced, he's had time in the league previously, he can come in and be more, have more of that instant impact. But I'm definitely not one for writing off Mateus just yet. And I saw some distinct flashes on Friday night from, from a different position that I think could, can work well moving forwards. And again, it comes down to the fact that if he was, if we hadn't had that change in formation and, and what have you around couldn't you come off and all the moving parts that went with it, would we have even conceded a goal? So I think that all that factors into it as well. So I'm, I'm still behind with you, so I think it'll come good. Alex, I noticed
0: you gave a funny look. What are, what are your thoughts on it?
2: Oh, well, I think Paul pretty much nailed it. I, I was just kind of smiling because I remember doing shows where I think the biggest frustration we had with Bruno Lodge was that Matthias was kind of just filling that role of Den Donker, who would just be somebody who <laughs> wanders forward on the right side in like mm-hmm. an attacking role. when that's not the kind of player he is. I mean, at sporting, he would sit in a midfield too carry, you know, carry the ball from deep, which he's shown he could do. It's, what he's being asked to do right now when they go with that kind of like hybrid four, four, one, one is not too dissimilar. It's just on the left side of the field. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Lopetegi's is great. He's clearly better than Laj, but um, I find it interesting that the two managers that he's played under at Wolves have done similar things with him. So I I'm with Paul in that. I don't really feel like it's his fault. And I also don't know why they're insistent on using him that way. Yeah, it's interesting. It's maybe it's they feel like kind of
0: what they need isn't necessarily his strength. I don't know. It's interesting. Man, you know, this season, oh, it feels like so long. Dead Den Donker started the year on our team. Do you realize
2: that? <laughs> it feels insane. like
0: 10 years ago.
3: Well,
0: Is it just because of the World Cup, it's, I guess. It's, right? the, it's
3: the managers, yeah.
2: Three different <laughs> managers. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe if I had to sum it up, it just goes to the fact, and we've mentioned this multiple times, we just don't have an attacking midfielder. It's the only profile of midfielder we don't have. And maybe they're like, hey, you're the most equipped to do this because you're yeah. maybe one of the most well-rounded players on our team and you're young and you're, you can develop into that. But I don't think that's his best position. So... Yeah. Hopefully it's a short-term thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember me, Paul, like cussing out then donker as usual. Season opener. I was like, we're never going to use five subs. Fuck this guy. <laughs> well, somebody who we had hoped we would be seeing on the team this year. Another one who it feels like 10 years since we've seen him play. Fabio Silva. He scored again in PSV's Europa League tie. It was his first start for them you know he's averaging a goal every 38 minutes for psv thus far teddy like is he coming back to wolves next year is he going to have the same type of success
3: uh yeah i've seen your rhetoric josh on, on twitter how you don't think he's coming back and I just I, i've yeah. kind of uh, disagreed with you for a while, but yeah, I think he came off the bench in the Europa League and scored, and then started over the weekend and and also scored. But yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people didn't didn't understand that move to PSV, as they had a, a starting striker and De Jong already there. But you know, something uh Matt Jackson who kind of controls the the loan moves for the. Uh, club as, as said before it's good to kind of fight for your position in your team and you know at Anderlecht, he was he was kind of the main guy and at psv you know he didn't have his spot right away and now you know he's coming off the bench but every single game you know if you look psv fan they're saying he's making a, a great impact you know he's scoring goals you know contributing um you know with his hold up play i think um it's definitely this season has definitely done him a, a world of good and i mean it kid's still only 20 years old um quite young definitely has put on some some muscle and yeah and some speed and yeah i think this this time away from Wolves was definitely the best thing for his career and i'm, I'm kind of glad he didn't come back in in january as well as i feel like that could have halted him i just feel like he's yeah he's gonna come back in the summer and i, I think he's gonna compete for the number nine role um I don't know if he's necessarily ready. I guess I guess we'll have to see. But yeah, I'm excited to see what what he can bring. And strikers are historically pretty slow to develop. So I think I think he definitely has a positive future at Wolves, and it's been a great season for him.
0: Yeah, Paul, I still go back to. I feel like if he was going to be at Wolves next year, he would have come back in in January. I know Teddy's saying he thinks the PSV um, move was still good. And I I do agree that was good for his development, but I also think he'd be playing like big-time minutes if he came back. Am am I just crazy for thinking this is going to be a Mendez, like, hey, here's where Fabio's going this next year?
1: I don't think that's the case, personally. I think they they understood better and it may be thanks to the personnel that they've now got in charge, making these types of decisions uh, in the front office that they didn't want what happened to Morgan Gibbs white to happen again, which could have easily done so. Mm. So I, I think this was a, this was a move that was the, was set for the season and he was either going to stay at Anderlecht for the duration or if an opportunity to, to came up that would allow him a, a, a better team to to play with, better players to play alongside, better standard of competition in the league. And in Europe, I think they'd have looked at that quite positively and potentially it would have, I think, increased the pressure on him even more that if he, he would have been coming back again and potentially being looked at as this relegation savior and we, we could have potentially mm-hmm. suffered the same issues that we had when he came in as as Raul's successor when he went down so I think they've taken the, the strategic decision and hopefully it's going to pay off in the long run and for the record
0: I don't want Fabio to go I won't make that clear I just I kind of see the writing on the wall uh, I don't I don't know that's just me Alex, which side do you fall on that? Are you with those guys, or are you gonna stand with the lone wolf?
2: No, uh, no, I'm with them. I, I, <laughs> I still see his future uh, at Wolves, and I'm hoping for that. And I'm, I'm glad he's exceeding. I, you know, it's, it's. I'm just a little sad because I feel like we finally have a team that, if you just plug him into it, yeah, you might be able to flourish. But you know. That that team will be there next year, uh, at least in terms of the most the attacking players. I don't think we're losing any of those guys.
0: Are you guys all gonna apologize to me if they sell them off by the end of the next transfer window?
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it will be. Would it be for handwritten
0: that we paid for them? (laughs) Yeah, that we're gonna do a segment. Handwritten apologies written to Josh. I'll
3: happily join that that one, Josh.
0: (laughs) And again. I don't want him to go. I don't. I think he would be awesome, but I, I don't know. There's too many little things going on there. Um, one more guy who stepped it up in the game the other night was Jose Saw. Teddy, do you feel like Saw has finally gotten past his early season struggles?
3: Um. Yeah. I mean, that save at the end was stunning. Definitely. You know, didn't feel like we deserved to lose all. Three points, but definitely could have right the death there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, he's an interesting one as well as his distribution from the back still, I think, leaves a little to be desired, um, especially in that first half, that that interplay that we had coming out from the back, which led to, you know, some of these attacking moves was. Pretty incredible. We haven't really ever seen that at at Wolf's, Um, but whenever he got the ball, you know, I just felt like there's a lot of boots up front and Cunha wasn't winning any headers. And he managed to to be fair was, you know, doing a decent job kind of competing for them. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure he will be the keeper moving forward, but I just don't know if he's the exact fit for this system playing out from the back. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. What, what do you guys think about that?
0: Well, I I worry for the ball boy sometimes because some of his passes from the back are very, um, they are missiles. They're going out <laughs> out of bounds. I think at some point somebody's gonna be uh knocked
1: right in the schnauzer. Paul, I think even it, it could predate so, that we have not necessarily the expectation of playing out from the back, but even when we had Patricio in a, in a five, three, two or whatever the formation was, even his long kicks often had a chance of ending up on Docherty's head and flicked on that way. So it never seemed that we had this, this type of distribution issue with him, even though playing out from the back ball at his feet, wasn't his forte. I think, um, probably Sars being asked to do a job that he's more comfortable than Patricio doing, but he, has he got the comfort and the uh, ability to to do it? And I think it's been quite distinctly noted these past couple of games that the ball isn't going back to him so much. It's just, unfortunately, when it is, we're not necessarily doing anything with it. Productively, and it's often going out of bounds, or the, the, an attack's petering out. We, we're turning over the ball based on that long kick. <laughs>
0: Well, guys, now we look ahead to this coming week. We have two big games. We do not have a guest this week, um, mostly because everybody was worried that I would cuss out a Liverpool fan for the bullshit their team has been saying. No, I'm just kidding. It's just, you know, with two teams, we don't usually do it. But the first game is Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern at Anfield. Paul with Cunha almost definitely not playing in this game. What type of formation or lineup do you think the Wolves are going to throw out there?
1: I think he we, we're going to see a similar version potentially now to what we saw on Friday, that it could be quite compact. He'll have the, um, the most flexibility probably centrally uh, in, in the midfield. Whereas if Cunha comes out, that, that's an attacker that we've lost. We still have some depth on the bench. But I don't think that we've got that ability to to go light for light with anyone now. So I think it is going to be more of a um, an opportunity to use that formation from Friday, but potentially tweak it just a little that it's a more distinct 4-4-1-1. Four, four, one, one and again i would go back to to what worked the last time and potentially if he was looking at some type of rotation from friday maybe this is a game that Troyer comes in to touch the hog the touchline more on the right and then we have got some um solidity on the left if it's either mateus or Nuri for further wide as a, as a left midfielder, not necessarily a winger or out wide. And then up front, I think it could go, um, in a way that potentially Jimenez is the, the focal point again, and it's Sarabia behind him. Hmm. Whereas that worked on potentially uh, when we were away in the cup with, uh, Jimenez and, uh, Guedes playing those roles. So that, that could be one to, uh, potentially look towards. Yeah, is <laughs> he did score? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Teddy Liverpool had quite a week. I mean, they got spanked worse than anyone in 50 shades of gray by Real Madrid and then drew zero zero against palace. I mean, do you feel good about those results when it comes to wolves or do you think, uh Oh, maybe Liverpool might be, a little bit angry, and especially since we've essentially beaten them
3: two out of three times, according to
0: Klopp math.
3: <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing is they're definitely a different team compared to, you know, Liverpool of previous seasons. And, and I mean, they aren't as good. So if they are angry, um, <laughs> you know, it would probably leave even more openings up in the back than they've already had. And, yeah, I mean, watch that game on – Sunday I think it was against Crystal Palace and yeah they really that that midfield three they have right now with Tiago out injured is pretty terrible um I think it was like Henderson (laughs) in there with they had 36 year old James Milner and uh, I can't remember who the third one was but yeah I mean they're really just not they don't have any progression to get the ball to their forwards who are still, you know, quality players that can definitely hurt you. Um Yeah, I'm not super nervous about them. It's more kind of how to replace Cunha up front because that, as I said earlier, that pressing, and we kind of saw with Huang mm-hmm. Chan as well. Like, Lopetegu really likes that to start the game, and Triore doesn't bring that, nor does Podent. So I'm a little nervous about that because there's definitely airs in their back line and they can be got at. So, um, yeah, I'm not I, I'm just more nervous about Wolf's kind of injuries and setup than I am about Liverpool. Oh, um, yeah.
0: Remember when Liverpool, when uh, Jordan Henderson was being pegged by many to be the EPL player of the year in 2022 when they won the title? Boy, that feels like <laughs> long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> Paul, I mean, what are your thoughts? Number one, it feels like we've played Liverpool 18 times right now. I'm like, God, anybody else but these turds. And,
1: I mean, I've just grown a strong dislike for them over the last two months as well. Uh, well, You you can join the club there. We're we're always open to those types of members. But it's a case of what better time. It probably won't happen just because I want it so much, but what better time that we could get the double over Liverpool this season in that, that they're, theyre they're out of form they're not contending like they once were they haven't got that aura about them this season at all at the moment so it would be just immense if we if we were to go there and and win away and and get that that attitude that we got back and that uh, like Being known for a team that can bloody the nose of the top four or the top six, and even if we haven't done it so much recently, if we could get that back by beating them comfortably at home and then going to Anfield a few weeks later and doing it away as well, that would have vibes of Man City a little a few years ago when that happened. So, I I would I'd really really love it if it was Wednesday, but that's all. I'm just a little worried about in that these really next two games now, after only beating Fulham, we need a win out of one of them. And mm. I, I can't really see it coming. And even if we drew both, you'd be satisfied that we've gone, uh we've gone away to Anfield and then we've, we've kept a, a Spurs team to, to a point at home who can be good on their day. But I just think it, it, potentially won't be enough based on results that happen elsewhere that we'll be right back in the thick of it. If that doesn't transpire. So I think a win on Wednesday would be fantastic as a spectacle, but more just to put some daylight between us and the bottom three could be a, a huge boost.
0: As Paul just mentioned, after Wednesday's game, uh, Wolves have a matchup against Tottenham. That's going to be Saturday at 10 Eastern. 9 a.m central time teddy do you think it would be a panic if wolves come out of this week with zero points or should we just kind of set ourselves up for that
3: um yeah i think as wolves fans we should i think we should (laughs) set ourselves up up for that and just be ready um yeah the relegation battle i i I mean it's Looking like could come down to to the end of the season. It's the First time in a while, but I, I mean, again, you look at Bournemouth, you look at Southampton, Everton, Leeds, Forest. I, I mean, there's definitely three teams worse than Wolves at, at the end of the day. So I'm, you know, I'm definitely still think you know, 20 percent chance Wolves will get relegated, which is which is real, but. I mean you look at those teams and they're just really not great. So I you know I'm still optimistic even even if we were to lose both of these games. So Wolves are currently three
0: points ahead of Everton. Everton plays Arsenal on Wednesday and then Nottingham Forest on Sunday. At home or on the
3: on the road for Forest?
0: Um, That's a good question. Let me see. Yeah,
3: Forest at home are really good, but on the road, they're the worst team in the league.
0: (laughs) Um, That is at Forest, Mm -hmm. at City Ground, and then um, let's see, Bournemouth. They play. They do not have a weekday game, but they play Arsenal on Saturday which is good. Um they do not have a game in hand though, so that's kind of interesting. Leeds, they we are only 2 points ahead of them. They have um they're still in the FA Cup and then they have Chelsea on Saturday, which we play them in a couple weeks. And West Ham Uh, They also are still in the FA Cup and they have Brighton on Saturday. So there's a possibility you could see some of these guys like West Ham and in Leeds pass Wolves potentially this week and drop us to 17th. Uh, But yeah, I mean, this seems like kind of the toughest week for a while, Paul, that's coming up, because then after that, it kind of clears out a little bit to these middle teams that we should be able to get points off of, or we don't deserve to be in the EPL, right?
1: It does. I think if you, you look in into March now, uh, personally, I don't think, I think there's a result at Newcastle, bizarrely. I think that's mm-hmm. always been a perennial 1-1. And I would generally take that this season away from home up there with the, the way they've done. And they do seem to be the team that just draws. So if you take that into account, and then after that, you've got Leeds at home and Forest away, then six points there to beat rivals around you, that would really lift the pressure. You've got to beat the
3: rivals around yeah, oh, yeah. us. Beat the teams around you. and, and yeah, yeah. Be
1: fine. And th- That's what was looking peachy up until Bournemouth came into town, and now everyone's got that, or oh, typical Wolves that mm-hmm. recessed. Whereas we we thought we got it nailed by beating Everton, West Ham and Southampton, so it's just that they don't make it easy for themselves. The
0: only team that's real, the only teams that are really in the relegation area like us that we play still are Leeds on March eighteenth, and then Everton on May twentieth. That Everton game could honestly be decides who stays up. Because Wolves have Arsenal the next week, which, (laughs) yikes. Um, Alex and Teddy, how difficult is it going to be here in a couple weeks when Wolves are going against uh, our U.S. boys in Leeds?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that'll be tough. But, I mean, them getting relegated would be a poor reflection on (laughs) the quality of those players, (laughs) but it would also mean that a lot of those players might be looking for new homes. So I feel like you should... (laughs) maybe be rooting for that <laughs> if you want an American to come to wolves you know
0: is my west of McKinney dream still alive Teddy
3: uh yeah I mean it's, it's if they get relegated which they definitely look like they might then yeah I, you know so I think it was only a lone move with the I don't think it was an obligation to buy so uh I think so yeah it's still still alive Josh still alive
0: Paul, how unbearable do you think I will be if the Wolves started midfielder next midfield next year is Lamina, Jao Gomez, and Weston
1: McKinney? <laughs> That'd be pretty pretty special. I think we'd get some good hairstyles from it at the very least. So <laughs> the, the potential there for podcast topics and questions would uh, propel us with content, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, my God, that'd be awesome.
0: All right, guys, let's look at our predictions here. In the standings, the guest spot. Yes, the guest spot has taken over top spot in the table with 23 points. Thanks to Brian's nil-nil draw prediction. I am in second with 22. Alex, you're back up to third with 18 points. And Paul, you're in relegation mode at 17. But not out of it yet. So Teddy, we got two games this week as you try and keep the the guest spot in the lead. So we'll start with the Liverpool game. What is your
3: prediction? Um I think we'll lose that one two to one. Two to one.
0: Two to one.
2: Mm -hmm. Loss. Yeah. Alex. Uh two one win. Ooh. look at you
1: going for the double
0: paul you feeling the pressure now like you need to be
1: getting some points here yeah (laughs) Uh, it's it's do i do i go against what i want to say to to try and uh, (laughs) to try and jinx like positive reinforcement to, to try and jinx it in the opposite direction um so I just can't see a better opportunity than getting the double over Liverpool this season. So fuck it. I'm going 2-0 Wolves. 2-0. Yeah. Woo! Look at Paul. I'm going to say a 1 1
0: draw because let's be honest. There's going to be some refereeing bullshit. Right? <laughs> we can all agree. So Some of that's coming in. I'm going to say Wolves score first, but then it's a nil-nil or a one-one draw. Okay. Teddy. Spurs. Yeah.
3: At at home, um, Spurs are pretty erratic team to say the least. Um I do feel the wolves always do get good results for the most part against Spurs. So I'll uh I'll give us the the one nil win in that one. Wow. One
0: nil wolves. Alex
2: uh I I think it's really optimistic to expect four or six <laughs> points out of these games. So I feel like I have to say that they lose. <laughs> that's what I was just thinking. But they really can hang with anyone. And it's like you don't know what Spurs you get. I, I'll go 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One,
1: one draw.
0: I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay.
1: Paul? I you think on their 2-0 not crazy enough to go for, for two wins. So <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that has the opposite effect. So I'll say we, we get something from it. It's quite entertaining and it's a 2-2 draw. Man, 2-2 draw.
0: Well, I would take you and Alex's for sure. <laughs> I think it's going to be one nil Spurs, Unfortun- unfortunately. I just... I think it's going to be a tough week. You know, still trying to figure some stuff out. Cunha being hurt. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm, uh, let's see. I hope Paul is beating me in the standings come next week. Then I will be quite excited. Okay, Alex. Do we have some no stupid
2: questions this week? We do. We have a couple of uh, good ones this week. So we will start with sharkies who asks on twitter uh are we looking forward to chiquinho coming back he's like adama but with end product hold on hold on hold on there is nobody like adama
0: (laughs) but chiquinho is awesome and he's fast uh teddy i'll let you answer that one
3: um yeah i don't know if he really has a hard to play this season as he's coming back from a torn ACL and we have you know as we said five or six wingers in front of him uh kind of looking forward to Neto coming back here possibly this week but it's a different topic um yeah I think Kinho I, I mean again he was he's pretty raw we, we only saw him for a few games where, where he did impress but I think we just got to remember to take our time with with him as he's still you know quite young and really only had a I think one season in the Portuguese top flight, so we just we just got to make sure we give them time to develop. But yeah, that hit, next season, that right foot on 6th, uh, six seventh head is uh, gets gets you a little bit excited, even if it's in the championship. That that'd be pretty. Oh, easy Teddy the combo. <laughs> Teddy, <ouch. laughs>
0: I <think> they're both, <laughs> I think they're
3: both staying with us Uh oh, if geez. they do drop. So. Oh, oh,
1: Jesus.
0: Well that that hit like a ton of bricks.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, it does bring you back down to earth, doesn't it? On <laughs> two potential crocs to pull you out of the depth of the championship. So uh I think it's gonna be interesting with Chiquino, mainly due to the fact that he was actually had his registration retained so for, for then like end of the season. So uh, will he get any minutes towards the end? Probably doubt it, and I, I'm inclined to agree that they need to monitor this injury really carefully. Uh, and again, we we're kind of talking about a player that we didn't really a see a lot of before, and b where does he fit into this particular formation? So even if we do see him, I think it's going to be distinctly off the bench, and probably when we're chasing a game to put an out and out winger on. Um, or if it's a, a Fulham game that is a more like for like replacement for Triore if he's is mm-hmm. it burnt himself out after 70 75 minutes and Chiquinho come on like for like then uh th- that could be a positive. So we'll see. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh I, I agree. I don't think he's necessarily gonna do much this year. Now, next year it will be interesting, I think. If Adama and Ornetto goes, I think he'll be in the squad. But I think if both of them stay with Wolves, I could see him getting loaned out with an option to recall in January. I don't think they're going to make this same mistake they made with Fabio on not having an option to recall on anybody.
2: Yeah. Um, All right. Let's move on to uh, our last no stupid question. Chase Branch asks on Twitter, if players got MLB-style walk-up songs as they were subbed on, <laughs> what would some good ones be for Wolves? Would Adama's be Clarence Carter's Slip Away or Paul Simon's Slip Sliding Away or just something by Midnight Oil? What do you guys <laughs> think? Walk-up walk songs in the uh, Premier League. I don't know if Paul's going <laughs> to love or hate this. Can, can <laughs> you imagine if... Uh, can you
0: imagine if... Um... Adama came out when he was subbed on to WAP. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd uh, want to I don't. I could, that which is Just... why it's great. That's. Uh, I could imagine that. <laughs> uh, anybody, any good uh, walk-up song nominations from anybody? I, I, I'm trying to think of some
0: here, real quick. That's
3: yeah, really tough. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Wanky Chan would have to come out to some kind of K-pop song. Now, does he go with the more English uh, Gangnam style, or does he go with <laughs> a, a full-blown K-pop song? Um, Jao Gomez would come out to that song by Jao Gomez, right? Yep. Or one by Pitbull. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. What would... Collins word... would
3: come out to some you know, authentic Irish, uh, you know, music there with the, you know, with the violins and which just seems like a very Irish type of type of guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: would anybody come out to Tom Petty? Mm-hmm. Oh well, here's the question, Paul, and you could probably answer this: Who would come out to a Robert Plant song?
1: I, I think what well, we got a consider here is that we're talking like probably two generations apart from some of these (laughs) guys so (laughs) these 19 and 20 year olds they'll see Robert Plant walking down the 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 the, (laughs) the, uh the corridors of Molyneux like who's that so (laughs) I just can't picture Pedro Neto putting on any Led Zeppelin in the car it's just it, it, it doesn't drive for me so
0: yeah. Okay, could you see Jao Moutinho coming on to whole lot of love?
1: Potentially, yeah. It would have to be an yeah. older guy. I agree with you yeah. there. Yeah, or someone like if it was the other way around, and it's someone who looks like he's is of that that the, the, the uh, has a musical appreciation, like Jose Sarr looks like he's got like a, a rock and roll background i can't tell one of his tattoos it may look like the foo fighters logo on his neck but i can't quite make it out hmm. Ooh, foo fighters yeah um, hmm.
2: i have a vision i i mean so he's got to come off the bench but i feel like anyone's eligible because you know we're just talking walk-up songs uh like wolves grab a lead they they just need like an enforcer to come on the lights go out at Molyneux, like, <laughs> Dung. like Undertaker theme starts playing. And then you just see Mario Lamina with like a trench coat <laughs> on the, <laughs> the touchline, drops it off and just comes in to kick some ass. Like I, I could totally see that. Um, maybe because we already saw the lights go out at Molyneux when Adama like kicked the ball so hard that the the power in all of the town went out. Yeah. Um, <sighs> So I, I would just like run that back, but with the Undertaker theme playing.
0: <laughs> I like that. It's it's almost like when a closer comes in for baseball and they do something really yeah. spectacular for it. So for Lamina, he could also come out to Hell's Bells. Like you could yeah. just hear like the Trevor Hoffman doom doom <laughs> as he's taking off his warm up. Yeah. Paul, what would be your walk up song
1: or walk yeah. on to the pitch song? Uh mine would probably be uh a little bit of ACDC. I'm not like sure it. where what it's gonna go. Dirty deeds. Direction. I could I can see Paul yeah, with some dirty deeds. I think so, like more of a, a slow build one. Yeah. Teddy. Yeah, it's
3: uh a... Come back to me. Let me try to, try to think <laughs> through. Thinking, one second, Alex, that so would be
2: yours. Uh, I mean, if I if I played for Wolves, I think I would do a tip of the cap to Zeppelin. I feel like that gets the crowd going. I I used to uh, when I go to the New York Wolves meetups, like I'm on the train, I like I'll just like listen to it because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So, um. And, I, you know, I grew up the younger brother of a, uh older brother who was a musician and forced me to play drums while he played guitar and we would just play Zeppelin songs. So um, maybe that's why I'm a Wolves fan, actually. <laughs> uh, now that I think about it, um, which one I'm not 100 percent set on just yet. Um, I always loved Black Dog. So maybe like that or uh, I mean, a whole lot of love would be pretty sweet, too, but. See, I feel coming out to,
0: um, you know, Metallica would be fun. But I got I got two choices just because I like the really over the top stuff. I would either come out to the David Hasselhoff version of Hooked on a Feeling with the hookah (laughs) hookah hookah chugger, which if you haven't watched the music video of that, I highly recommend it. Have you guys seen that? It's the best music video ever. Hooked on a Feeling, David Hasselhoff. My wife actually banned that song from our wedding specifically because she was worried I was going to do the dance. Number two, (laughs) that's a true story. Swear to God. Number two, I would probably think about coming out to a Miley Cyrus like either Wrecking Ball or Party in the USA. You know, get everybody going. Hands up playing our song. Butterflies fly away.
2: When Weston's at Wolves, that'll be his welcome song. Oh, my God. <laughs> Party in the USA. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, oh, I would die in
1: love. I'm going uh, to be uh, seriously disappointed if our friend Andrew Barlow doesn't take that Josh <laughs> and David Hasselhoff fusion and absolutely rinse it raw.
0: <laughs> it is the best music is... video ever, yeah. My wife specifically told the DJ... Do not listen to my husband. Do not play a single David Hasselhoff song. (laughs)
3: Nice. I think I would have to come out to a, like a bad bunny song, you know, living in Mm. uh, South Florida here and a lot of, lot of watch a lot of baseball and they're all kind of Latin. I feel like coming coming to something like that. You need something to get the crowd going, you know, the the key. Yeah. Who do you if think that All-Star would
1: all star game happens? This is definitely has to be incorporated.
3: Yes.
0: <laughs> Who do you think would be the Wolves player that would come out to the most ridiculous song just because he thinks it's funny? Paul? Mm. Or anybody?
3: H- Hugo Bueno. <laughs> That's a <laughs> mischief look about him with the, with the mustache and everything.
0: I feel like Potence would be one who would... Potence or Moutinho, I think, would be one of those guys who would come out to something just completely silly. Like, would would Potence come out to the Chipmunk song?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I think he, he would,
1: could... I, I got to think, think that Dawson would just be totally anti-establishment to do something on the complete opposite the scale of what it's intended, so I'd go for him.
0: That's a great choice. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Would he come out to
0: like some weird? So, what's the what's the most popular like American sitcom in
1: England, Paul? That's probably Friends out of all of you I'd say.
0: Okay, Still, so uh, would Craig know. Dawson come on to uh "I'll Be There for You"? Yeah,
2: I could, I could see that.
0: <laughs> and would the would the entire stadium go? <laughs>
2: yeah, the clapping part.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice guys i'm finished with my whiskey if you can't tell
2: <laughs> yeah i guess that means we're done with the show we're done with no stupid questions uh thanks to chase and sharky for the um good uh tangents that you let us on with those questions tweet your questions to us at wlw pod or email them to us at hello at whole lot teddy
0: how can everybody get a hold of you
2: um,
3: yeah, I can be on Twitter quite a bit, uh, just at Teddy Ely and then, um, yeah, I live in Boca Raton, so if you guys are ever, you know, in the area, kind of go to a local bar, uh, on the weekends when I can get out, get out there called the Lion and Eagle Pub and, um, yeah, looking, uh, looking forward to this week for Wolf's kind of, you know, more Free hits than anything, so just hoping to get some, get some more points in the board and get get rid of relegation thoughts out of my yes. head. Yes,
1: we will be back this time next week to see about all of that unfolding over these next two games. Hopefully, three points from somewhere. So, in the meantime, everybody up the mighty wolves. <laughs>
2: Whole of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelottawolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.